There was once a little princess whose father was king over a great country full of mountains and valleys. His palace was built upon one of the mountains and was very grand and beautiful. The princess, whose name was Irene, was born there, but she was sent soon after her birth, because her mother was not very strong, to be brought up by country people in a large house, half castle, half farmhouse, on the side of another mountain, about halfway between its base and its peak. The princess was a sweet little creature, and at the time my story begins was about eight years old, I think, but she got older very fast. Her face was fair and pretty, with eyes like two bits of night sky, each with a star dissolved in the blue. Those eyes you would have thought must have known they came from there, so often were they turned up in that direction. The ceiling of her nursery was blue, with stars in it, as like the sky as they could make it. But I doubt if she ever saw the real sky with the stars in it, for a reason which I had better mention at once. These mountains were full of hollow places underneath, huge caverns and winding ways, some with water running through them, and some shining with all colors of the rainbow when a light was taken in. This is Dark and Stormy Nights, the podcast where we read the first page, and only the first page, of every novel ever written. I'm your host, Vin LeBate. And I'm your other host, Ben Blattberg. And tonight we're talking about the first page of The Princess and the Goblin by George MacDonald, published in 1872. And joining us is Diana Lorraine. Hi, Diana. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome back. So... Are either of you familiar with this novel? I am not. The name has come up mm. uh, in probably some lists of, you know, pre-Tolkien fantasy. Yeah, this is something that I read when I was like of an appropriate age, when I was in school. Um, it might have been like one of those book day, like with all the tables out and root through kind of prizes. Mm-hmm. But I did not realize until recently how old it is. Yeah. Like, I had always thought that this was like, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, and I was not aware that this predates Tolkien and Lewis Carroll and like Narnia, all of that. Yeah. That's old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah, the author's name sounds familiar, but um, nope, haven't read it before. Or uh, this author before. Mm. One thing. That struck me about this book that we looked at today. Uh, sometimes we'll, we'll get an old book, and the edition we get will be a new edition with a Kindle cover mm-hmm. that does not really capture it. Sure. And uh, I just want to take a moment to uh, shout out, uh, I think the name is John Bauer, mm-hmm. with this uh, original cover of a, a princess uh, being escorted by some two horrible some goblins. Yeah, like yeah. really, really, really calling back to like some some troll art from my youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you check uh, the Google image search, you'll find that this book has a lot of great covers over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as opposed to some other things we've covered that have had some real duds. <laughs> True. Fair. But cover art is uh, it's an art. It is an art. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also interesting, just like uh, I kind of assume this is a kid's book. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, I don't see a lot of kids books uh, with covers like this. 
being printed these days. I don't maybe you have some counter uh, examples, Diana? It the the colors look remind me very much of the frog and the toad, mm. which is that it it has it gave me those vibes, um, which is fine. Um, but it's 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 to do with the colors more than anything else because it's it's that it's those muddy earth tones, and usually with books intended for children we go for bright and colorful even if it's a dark story because you're trying to you know grab them but i kind of like it i kind of like the i like moody i dig the moody be different yeah it almost like has a little more in common with like the um like the black cauldron books in terms of like the the cover tones and i think like there's a lot about like there's connections through the influence of this book that most people haven't heard of hmm. uh, because my brief glance, my small amount of research, which we don't usually do uh, on Wikipedia uh, indicates that there's like, um, like McDonald was mentored Lewis Carroll and his descriptions of goblins in this book directly influenced Tolkien, which is like such a thing to be able to say about your work. <laughs> All that stuff you love. Hmm. I uh, was their teacher. <laughs> yeah, now knowing how old this book is, it's like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Let's get into the text. Okay. So our first line, there was once a little princess whose father was king over a great country full of mountains and valleys. Does it, like, it does a good job of giving us some scale, I would say. Okay. Like little bland just like okay if you're a princess usually that means dad's king yeah it's uh okay uh i i do like it's full of mountains and valleys okay so there's a lot of places to hide here mm-hmm. yeah and we're gonna see a lot more about mountains on this page mm-hmm. and throughout this book spoiler alert um <laughs> real, real uh mountain heavy uh book mm. i liked i i i agree uh that that first line uh, tells you almost nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and especially the way that it goes from uh, there was once a little princess uh, into uh, about her dad and then about like the country that he rules over yeah. and <laughs> what that country is made up of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost liked it because of the chapter title. Mm. Yeah. Why, why the princess has a story about her, which is such a like, I mean, you can imagine writing that title today for a chapter maybe sure and partly it would be kind of a joke about like like well you know like you probably didn't think the princess had a story to tell you know like it it would be kind of making fun of the older stories where like the princess is just there to uh be a prize to serve the the story of the night or yeah 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 yeah. whatever yeah like the classic fairy tale of like she's menaced by a uh you know stepmother or father and then a hero saves her sure you know uh but here like the fact that the the chapter promises like this is going to be about the princess and then like doesn't mention her <laughs> until the nope like doesn't give her name until the third sentence like i i almost kind of thought that was a little uh intentionally cheeky uh, on his part but mm-hmm. uh, i can't know for sure mm. um i also sorry i'm looking up i found uh, a different version of this opening Really? Oh. Uh, and I was wondering if you all had seen this. No. So uh, this is an opening I found through Google Books that starts. So the first line uh, in our copy is there once. 
Sorry. There was once a little princess whose father was a king. This one begins, There was once a little princess who... And then there's an interruption. Uh, but Mr. Author, why do you always write about princesses? You know, and then, you know, the mm-hmm. author responds. And there's this little back and forth between, like, the tale teller and this oh. person. Oh, they, they princess brides it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's, a, I, I cannot, I do not know. This is, this is the only version of this that I have found, like all the other ones that I've oh. looked at online. Uh, Interesting. This is the, uh, this is the Lippincott uh, edition, <laughs> uh, if that helps anyone. Uh, I also like on Google Books, it's, it's digitized from a library. Uh, and oh, okay. a library copy has a, a little, um, not, not, not a book plate, but it has, uh, it has the owner's name. Uh, uh, I'm trying to, trying to show it. it on Zoom. It's not going to help anyone else, but, mm. you know, but like, I just, I, I like that little touch of like realism that this, this book was owned by Betty Craig Hill. Like, oh. mm. Some actual child read this, Aww. but uh, m- maybe, I mean, m- maybe that reading that version afterwards kind of colored this, but like, again, there's something about like, I don't know, this just sounds like something that someone would say in a way, like it has that sort of oral tradition yeah. kind of thing going on. I can, see, I can see that. Yeah. So I, I kind of enjoyed like, uh, I, I, I enjoyed how bland it was. Mm. It's uh, sort of that Arthurian legend setup where first you are required to talk about the history of the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we can get into anything. Yeah. I mean, like, and then the next line, uh, his palace was built upon one of the mountains and was very grand and beautiful. Like, again, this is giving me absolutely no information. Hmm. Like, 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 sure. You're, I assumed, I assumed all this information. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like you're just, you're just defining words now. Like. There was a princess. Her father was a king. Like, okay, thank you. I'm, I'm going to guess her mother was a queen. You know? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Some assumptions being made. But, mm. Sure. Uh, and then we get her name, which is Irene. Mm-hmm. Which I, I am not, you know, a historian, but like, that's a fairly unusual princess name, especially for something in a fairy tale. Yeah. You would expect something uh, with more, and I'm I'm not dissing on any of the Irene's world, but so there was like a lot of flourish, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a flourishful name, and Irene is not that name. It's a very, it's um, it's it's, uh, it's very severe actually. Mm. It means business. Yeah, princess that means business. It's a business princess, which is okay. It's not like Irene's mean business. That's okay. Mm. See, uh, see, there was a, a a wife of a Byzantine emperor, Constantine the Fifth. Uh, Irene was her baptismal name. See, Byzantine business. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) there was a couple of uh, Byzantine empresses. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it it does not have like, uh, well, to our ears, it does not have that the quality of like a magical fairy tale name. Yeah. Sure. And I, I wonder if that's a purposeful contrast or yeah, or if it's just a historical cultural gap that we have now. Possibly. Yeah. Yes. Well, like uh, uh, I think uh, uh, the author uh, Mary Robinette Kowal talks about um, the the Tiffany problem mm. being that like uh, when you hear Tiffany as a name, you I mean, I think about like the store Tiffany's 
Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, like it's a modern name. It's like, uh, not a Valley girl, but like, uh, something in that realm. Still very Uh, mm eighties. Yes. Yes. And then like, you look up the history of the name Tiffany, uh, I'm going to do now behind before I say anything. (laughs) Uh, but like, like it it was like, a it was, it was not an uncommon name, Mm -hmm. uh, in medieval times, let's say. Yes, Tiffany was the medieval form of Theophania. Mm, so like, interesting. Yeah, it it died out after the Middle Ages. So like, if you if you did like a time travel story and someone wound up in the Middle Ages and was like, "Oh hi, my name is Tiffany," uh, like, yeah, like you're, it would, it would be the it would be the equivalent of today's Elizabeth or Catherine. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would just be no, like, totally. Well, and, and that's similar to like, you know, we, we have Ashley's and Leslie's and Lindsay's. And it's like, those are traditional male names. Mm-hmm. Like Courtney, all those. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, those were considered male names. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, nope. here's a question. H- have any names gone the other way in, in, in your, to, to your knowledge? Not a lot names that were traditionally girl names that have gone the male direction. Oh, yeah. Or um, unisex, I guess. But <sighs> yeah, I... I've seen, I feel like there are more Jamie's, male Jamie's, hmm. but I feel like that's more of a nickname for the traditional name James hmm. with the, with the nickname being Jamie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being completely acceptable and, um, embraced mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen that more I think that may that's the only one that comes to mind it may be as close as we get that's also a name that like when you think when I think of a gender neutral name that's the first one yeah, I tend to yeah, think of yeah. is Jamie mm-hmm. yeah yeah because I would not instantly think male or female if I heard the name Jamie mm-hmm. maybe uh, hmm. Hmm. Uh, but now I'm gonna have to I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. do some google searches I, <laughs> I feel like because uh, I want to know. I I need that for my arsenal of characters now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean that's that that's the entire uh, plot of uh, Johnny Cash's uh, "Boy Named Sue." Right? That's true. Uh, mm. But um, yes. So her name is Irene, uh, <laughs> and she was sent away because her mother was not very strong. And she's being and she's going to be brought up somewhere else. So she's going to be brought up not in her father's house. Mm-hmm. Which okay, that's that 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 is a trope that we see a lot in our present day uh, princess stories. Mm. Princess goes away. Mm, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or really, we we got to get rid of the parents, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, parents, parents, and the children do not hang out together. It's yeah. just not the royal way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, is is that why the princess has a story about her? Because like, if if she did live with her her parents, then like. Her parents would stop the adventure with the goblin. Yeah, or, sure. There's no adventures to be had at the castle, so that's why kids got to go. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Then we get into this fairly involved, like description slash metaphor uh, about her eyes and the stars and sort of her relationship to the sky, which is, I think, as a metaphor, okay. Um but which leads into, I think, like a pretty sharp bit of uh, foreshadowing mm-hmm. or like turn at the end of the second paragraph hmm. um, where he gets to say, uh, but I doubt if she ever saw the real sky with stars in it, 
for a reason which I had better mention at once. Mention once. And then, of course, doesn't like come out and say on the next mm. paragraph, but yep. starts with like, let me tell you about more about this area. Oh, yeah. Hey, remember those mountains I was talking about? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, they're hollow. Enough about the princess. Like, let's talk about these mountains and valleys. Mm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's something about that. Um, I, I really, uh, like I said, I kind of enjoyed the beginning of the first paragraph mm-hmm. in the way that it like seemed to very consciously, uh, play with like who the story was going to be about. Mm-hmm. Or sure. at least like that's, that's one way I read it. And then when I hit the second paragraph and it's like the description of her, her face was fair and pretty with eyes, like two bits of night sky. I'm just like, Okay, like the night sky thing is a little specific, but otherwise this is almost like telling me that her father was a king. Like mm-hmm. it's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. are you saying your princess character uh is 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 pretty?" Like that's you know, like, "Oh, her face was fair." Like, mm-hmm. "Oh, thank you." Like this is really I'm just I'm just going to go on record all books that I read, I assume the people in the book are attractive unless I am told otherwise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like uh, when I go to see a movie, like the joke I used to say to my mom was that oh, that movie looks bad, but there are attractive people in it, so we'll go see it. <laughs> like, like that's the yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless I am told otherwise, I assume you are attractive. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's always funny, like in movies. Then also, when like like you know, of course, like they hire someone very attractive, and they're and like in movie, you're, you're supposed to understand that they're unattractive. It's yeah, like, sure. oh, it's, you know, this is just like, it's just a convention. I understand. Mm. Like, yeah. you have to be told that someone is unattractive. Uh, sure, that's fair. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, especially like for me, like, uh, sorry, Finn, did you say this was what, 1872? Yes. Oh, that's like the first time I've actually successfully recalled the date. <laughs> um, uh, but there's like, I don't know. Like someone being described with a, a fair face in 1872 is just like, like, I get it. Yes. You're, you're, you're from England. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this is, like, this is how you want to present the world. I get it. Mm. Um, oh, I will say, uh, I believe we're about to spend a whole lot of time with goblins. Uh-huh. Um, so there's like, there's a, I think a very intentional contrast that he's setting up. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like she's super pretty. You're right. These goblins are the gobliniest troll looking goblins yeah. possible. They're going to they're going to have like dark dark gray skin. Uh yeah. Uh and and uh, you know and that that maybe also could explain uh you know if the goblins are like underground cute creatures mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as uh we might be led to believe by the hollow places underneath the mountains then like that big chunk comparing her eyes to the night sky and talking about her connection to the sky, you know, could be fun foreshadowing for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, darn it. Again, our discussion has made me like this more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I give in. I'll read it. Mm-hmm. I do want to go back, sorry, just for a, a moment to the, the end of the first paragraph. Mm-hmm. We're just jumping mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, <laughs> the description of the house that she gets sent to, uh, half mm-hmm. castle, half farmhouse, halfway between uh, the base and peak of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Like that, that to me feels like, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I almost want him to add like another half 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in there somewhere just so that we understand like okay this is like a liminal space like this is like super fairy tale-ish yeah you know uh, being cared for by centaurs mm. yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah so you know sure yeah, something like that would be i mean I, I guess also i kind of want the comedy version of this mm. where it's just yes. like, it's just pushed a little too far so i i agree with you our, our discussion of this has made me like this more because my there, there's so many descriptions and so many commas that it's giving my mm. dyslexia brain a headache this is like, there's just, there, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of descriptions. And so I'm just like, I want the play version of this. Mm-hmm. Can I have the play version of this? Because I feel like we need, because there is a narrator, there's, this is a narr- there's a narrator's voice in here, uh-huh. but I want them to be pulled out more to be making commentary on what is going to happen. That's what I feel. That's the voice that I feel like we're discussing this in. And so I'm like, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause it's making it very funny. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say one thing that I, I, so uh, we were talking before uh, my, my child is too young. No, actually I should. Uh, uh, I have not, started my child on certain books yet mm-hmm. fair and I'm, I'm i'm also like really uh getting into a lot of like uh younger uh books and like like new new children's books just to see like sure. i don't know it's uh, out there yeah just to see like oh well, like what are we doing like i i don't know if you've had this experience uh diana but like mm-hmm. watching say blues clues <laughs> uh i'm familiar with the clues just to pick like uh, a show that like continually makes me uh, teary eyed with like how uh, earnest and sweet and delightful it is. Um, and just thinking like people say like, oh, like kids TV shows are so much better now. And I, I, I kind of agree. I, I think they are way more emotionally balanced yes. than yeah. any of the crap we grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. He, like 100% like Daniel Tiger. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, which I was 100% against as a child of Mr. Rogers. I was like, this is an abomination. And mm-hmm. I'm offended by this. And then I watched it. I was like, damn it, this is adorable. <laughs> and my children now are six and nine and we still sing those songs mm-hmm. all the time because mm-hmm. they're effective. Yeah. They're yeah. Really easy to remember. I like, I like, I like, no joke, put myself to sleep once, listen to just like mm-hmm. singing to myself, like, you know. Uh, it's time to sleep. The day is done. And I was just like, okay, I'm ready. I'm, this is calming Good me down. I'm ready to go. It's time to go. Yeah. Um, some, some real, it's real effective self-parenting there. But, um, oh. uh, so, so I haven't read a lot of fairy tales or mm. things that are modeled on fairy tales mm, sure. uh, or even, even just like, I don't know. I ha- like, I haven't gotten to reading him. I don't know what let's say Harry Potter. That's like mm-hmm. something that comes to mind. And I'm just thinking about like, like, to my recollection, uh, Harry Potter does not have such a strong, like narrator voice. Like you mm-hmm. can imagine someone telling you it. Correct. Right. I, I agree. So, so there's like little moments in here. Like when he says, uh, uh, like, uh, the time my story begins, uh, you know, she was about eight years old, I think. And I'm like, oh, I think mm-hmm. like, you're not sure. Like, great. I love it. Like mm-hmm. we're introducing uncertainty to our, our children. Uh, unreliable narrators. I love it. Um, and like, has, has that fallen out of fashion, I guess, with today's books? I, I think where, okay. So I, I'm not as up to date on, uh, the children's literature as well. Um, I'm my nine year old. I'm, I'm kind of in a 
battle with her <laughs> to get her to read. She does like to read, um, but she only wants to read graphic novels, mm-hmm. which I'm fine with. But she also needs to be reading some things that don't have pictures on them. Um, occasionally, I'm not against it, but like, can't we pick up a book that doesn't have pictures occasionally. Mm-hmm. Just like for every 10 graphic novels, <laughs> come on, balance, child, balance. Um, I think that voice is in the graphic novels mm. because when I've read those, because some of them are new and different things I've never read, because like she's doing all babysitters clubs. And so those are the same as the old books. <laughs> that voice is in there. And I'm seeing those types of things. Uh, so I think that's, I, I right now, I would suspect that's where they're getting that type of storytelling, which is really cool. Yeah. Huh. Do you, uh, this is not the uh, point of this podcast, but do you have any recommendations? <laughs> like, is that, that, that's really interesting. Like, um, oh, I don't have it out. Uh, let me let me do a quick uh, Google because I know I cannot say the author's name, but there's one that my daughter has read that I was like, oh, I really like that one. Um, she's a little older than her child, but that doesn't mean it won't come in handy later. Mm-hmm. Um, we really liked Guts by Raina Telgmeier. Mm. Um, and Raina has done several babysitter clubs and se- she's done a several different series, but Guts has to do with anxiety. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. That that whole series has been very good. She did one, another one is Smile. And then I think she also did uh, Drama. Mm. So uh, it's been very uh, good for my preteen child. Our associate, Braden Lamb, has actually uh, done some of the colors on the Babysitter's Club graphic novels. <gasps> what? Mm-hmm. <sighs> what? So we love them. They're great. We have them on pre-order as soon as one becomes available. Like, yep, that one's coming to our house. I'm sorry, Vin. Did you call him our associate? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Who is this person? Our good friend, podcast co-host, former roommate. Uh, how how may I stalk them? Uh, I think he's just Braden <laughs> Lamb on Twitter. It's fine. Um, that's awesome. That's cool. There was something I was just thinking though. Wait, in terms of like sort of the voice and like you mentioned, um, like compared to a fairy tale before, I think like particularly given that this is sort of formative in the genre, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, um, like the first thing that I know of and like, again, I haven't done a lot of research uh, to sort of bridge the space between fairy tale and adventure story. Mm. Okay. I mean, cause you can see, especially a I lot in this first page, the sort of fairy tale formulations uh, both in like mm-hmm. the relating of like this is there's the king and he ruled over a great country um, and in the sort of voice of it of it being something that's being told mm-hmm. but it's built out like a full narrative adventure story uh, also with the dark foreshadowing mm-hmm. which is a huge fairy tale trope yep because you know it's like hey uh, look at all the beautiful like there's all this beautiful stuff this girl's beautiful but um uh, yeah, it's going to get dark, and I got to tell you about that now. So, uh... Mm-hmm. Is this... Sorry, is this, is this uh, the first book in a series? There are two. There's a sequel. Okay. Uh, what is the second one called? Uh, the Princess and Curdy. Curdy is the, the farmhand <laughs> that she picks up on her adventures. 
It's like, who is this, her boyfriend? Mm-hmm. That is a, okay. yeah, cool. a, a, a title that you only get into after reading the, the first. Mm-hmm. It's always fun reading like old books and thinking like, yeah, this, that, that wouldn't fly today. I'm getting such strong Princess Bride vibes. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the greatest compliment to one Blake Goldman. So may he rest in peace. So yeah, I'm here for this. Yeah, no, our conversation has made me like this paper, yeah. this piece, this page of this book a thousand times more than I was like, oh man, I'm like, no, now I'm like, and now I actually want to read the book. Yeah, like in my memory, this is actually a, a nice little story. Like it's got a good flow and like, is very mm-hmm. adventury and has like a lot of mood once you get stuck underground, which I believe is mm-hmm. is pretty much the direction we're going in. Um, especially with like, we see the end of the page of like uh, the mountains full of hollow places and huge caverns and great deep pits. I don't suppose there's a graphic novel version. There might be. There's a movie actually. There's an animated movie from the six or. Oh, there's a fractured fairy tales actually from the sixties. Um, Ooh. and then there's a 1992 British film. No, no, it was released first in Britain. It was a Hungary, Wales, Japan co-production created at Budapest's Panoya film, uh, what? Japan's NHK and S4C and Soroy productions in Great Britain. Okay. So an international production. It's funny. I was just reading yesterday about uh, the the uh, Swankmeyer, uh, Jan Swankmeyer. Uh, anim- mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his uh, animated works. Um, they tend to be, uh, well, no. Let me rephrase that. The, the ones I have seen have been like fairy tale based, but very upsetting. Hmm. <laughs> like there, someone was just talking about the Alice in Wonderland, where like one of the animals because he worked with a lot of stop motion like he oh i have just seen that skeletons oh the things. one was like said the white rabbit hmm. i i just i was just trying i'm just imagining like oh maybe 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 this would work out like if if he if he did the goblins for this oh i watched that one in college so did i actually it's creepy but very cool it was in my scenic design class hmm. my teacher was from the czech republic and that was that was her vibe <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool yeah our some of our film friends i think uh i don't want to say forced it on us but sure i probably, they probably will they did. forced quite a few things on us sure they were like you have to see this this is amazing this is the most genius filmmaking ever and you're like what is wrong with you mm, it, it was they were generally more aware that they were forcing things on us that's important i remember uh there, there's this uh part in um uh huck finn i think mm-hmm. where they're going down the river and they uh huck and jim uh for for the listener i'm scrunching my up my face trying to remember this mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel like that's an important part of the story uh uh they fall in with some uh con artists who put on a show that half of this town goes to mm-hmm. and like halfway through the show or whatever, it's revealed as a fake and the townspeople are very upset. And then someone is like, no, wait, like, like we've been fooled, but what we need to do is tell everyone else in the town, like the other half who didn't go, that this was an amazing show so that they come here <laughs> and so that everyone gets fooled equally <laughs> um, and like loses, loses the same amount of money basically. Uh, and that, 
<laughs> that that's the thing that I always think about whenever uh, we talk about some of the films that we watched in college, where it was just like <laughs> someone would show us like, let's say Pier Paolo, Pier Paolo Pasolini's Salo, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which was also uh, upsetting. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and then it was like, oh, God, that was terrible. Like, who can I show it to? <laughs> like, who can I force it you know, onto yeah. now as like a curse? Uh, I need I need you to see this thing I experienced. Mm-hmm. I, I know it wasn't just me. Yeah, yeah. See also cat people. Ah, uh, you know that one I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I feel like we're coming up on time, and we've also mentioned uh, cat people and Pier uh, Paolo Pasolini. <laughs> uh, that that might be an indication that we don't have anything else to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if anyone has any uh, final thoughts on this first page, I-, I will say that like my hope on it, uh, since it is named, since the book is titled After the Princess, and since this chapter is named Why the Princess Has a Story About Her, uh, even though there's a few things that like I want to read kind of ironically that I don't think were written ironically, mm-hmm. I am somewhat hopeful that like there is something here that will not feel... Uh, too dismissive of this little eight-year-old hmm. yeah yeah i have i have i wouldn't say i have strong memories because my memory is not very good anyway but i have positive impressions of this book uh from back in the day so i think it i don't know if it holds up but i think it's something i would recommend taking a poke at i would be willing to read it now that we've discussed this page more in depth hmm. Now I'm uh, now I'm more curious about what what's to happen. It does also raise a question for me, which I don't know that we've talked about before, but like there's that question of whether, well, let me rephrase that. There's a question of like what books you, you know, quote unquote, should read in general, mm-hmm. but also like very specifically, like let's say if you are interested in a genre, okay. you know, like the fairy tale fantasy. Sure. Uh, like, are there foundational works that like you should be aware of? This is like the classic, like, should you read the Bible as literature mm. if you are sure. uh, an atheist? Uh, yeah, I actually tried to poke around online, but I couldn't find a whole lot of scholarly work on this, which is kind of surprising given its its vintage. But like, I would be very curious to learn a little more about where this fits in the sort of evolution of, you know, kids fantasy, young adult fantasy. Um, especially, you know, given the influence on Tolkien and Lewis Carroll. Yeah. All right. I'm over here laughing because, uh, he was also a Christian minister, mm-hmm. which is just like, it just feels like it's like the British, like, just like, Oh, if you write fantasy, like you probably also have a couple of essays on theology. Yeah. They had to branch out and yeah. do something with all that stuff. Mm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, Diana, where can people find you to learn more about your favorite, uh, uh, reads or oh, other my things. favorite reads no, no. Uh, no. nowhere <laughs> here right here with mm-hmm. y'all um, if you want to find out more about me uh, you can find me on twitter at modcaster m-a-u-d-c-a-s-t-e-r if you want to find my other podcasts where i i yappity yap um, you can find uh, Christmas Tide Ohio, which is a Kids on Bikes actual play podcast uh, set in the fictional Christmas themed town of Christmas Tide Ohio. Uh, you can find me on Powered by the Players, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse actual play podcast, and Macintosh and Mod, where I talk about My Little Pony, Riverdale, and movies. 
Thanks for joining us on Dark and Stormy Nights. I've been your host, Ben Blackberg, and you can find me on Twitter at InCatastrophe. And I've been your other host, Vin LeBate. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Reciprocity. You can find the games that I write at mrreciprocity.itch.io. And you can find my other podcast, The Chimera, at thechimera.space, on Twitter at ChimeraPod, or on your podcast app of choice. For show updates, follow Dark Knights Reads on Twitter, or visit darknightsreads.com. And we'll meet you back here next week. <laughs>